And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my good friend, Aaron Bandler, uh, and we covered a lot. We, we talked about the absolute humdinger of a week uh, the Joe Biden regime is having from uh, hosting a drag queen at the White House with a history of pedophilic comments uh, to killing the uh, Yemen war powers vote. Uh, and everything in between. An absolute disgusting week from uh, the people in charge, and uh, we, we broke it all down. Uh, guys, before we get to Aaron, if you haven't already, uh, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmickSpot. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmickSpodcast. Right, without further ado, the great Aaron Bandler. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Aaron Bandler. Aaron, how you been, man? Just doing pretty great. How are you, Brady? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. Um, we got a ton to get to, as always, but I yes, have sir. to mention that you and I are both in the playoffs in our fantasy football league. You're the <laughs> yeah. number one seed, so congrats on that, by the way. Oh, thank you. I'm the number three yeah, seed. I, I would have been the one seed, but I friggin' lost to, uh, who did I lose to? Oh, old boy uh, Brad Devlin last week. Yeah. Man, that, that really, uh, I was I was looking forward to a bye week, but, uh, you know. It's all good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, my, my team last week did absolutely nothing. I mean, I, got, I was getting, like, single-digit points from everybody. But how, how are you feeling going into the playoffs? I mean, I just lost my quarterback, Kyler Murray. You just lost Debo, your best receiver. But, uh, I don't know, our squads are still pretty solid. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, well, I, I also lost my quarterback, too, Lamar Jackson. Oh, you know, right. he's, he's got that knee injury, and it's not clear how long he's out. So I'm basically rolling with Jared Goff. <laughs> Uh, as my quarterback, he's actually, you know, he looked pretty good yet uh, on Sunday. So, you know, hopefully he keeps that up for the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I've had to deal with a lot of injuries this year. You know, I had Kyle Pitts on my team out for the year, Elijah Mitchell out for the regular season. Um, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I mean, it wasn't hurt, but he just, they just stopped using him. They went back. So, so like half my team are like waiver wire dudes. And somehow I've been able to weather the storm. Uh, I mean, I, 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 basically, my season has become a roller coaster. Now I won the first five games, then lost next four, and then won the next three out of four to to wind up as just barely the one seed, thanks to uh, you know a point differential. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's become a crazy because of how crazy the year is. But I don't want to make any predictions. But you know, I mean, I, I feel better about my squad because I feel like I've been able to accumulate some depth. Um, you know, but I mean, this is a fantasy, so you never know what's, what's going to happen. So, you know, I'll just, uh, I'm just going to enjoy the bye week and, uh, you know, see how the matchups play up in, uh, you know, in week 16. I think anybody can win and anybody can win this. I year, agree. Man. Like we're all pretty yeah, I mean, evenly they're... matched. Yeah. Yeah. yeah honestly, I mean, I, 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 yeah. dude, Jared Goff leaked... has been a dog for fantasy this year because yeah. the, the Lions don't even pretend to play any defense. 
So like Goff has to throw the ball 55 times a game. <laughs> so it's he's like, got weapons. Yeah. And he's oh, got yeah, weapons man. now with, with, with both, uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. Who is on my squad, um, by the way. Yeah, who's, who, who's on your squad. And he's got, got you know, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. You know, I mean, he's he's got guys he can he can throw to. So, um, you know, I mean, the Lions, I think, are, are a team that, I mean, right now they're not a playoff team, but they could be. And if they are, I, I think they're one of those teams that, that, that you don't want to face because they seem to be getting hot at the right time. Oh, absolutely. Dude, I, uh, every year, every fantasy football season, I add, like, a couple guys to my list of, like, do not draft. Like, guys I would just never draft. Yeah. And Kyle Pitts is on that list. Like, I would just never, uh, yeah. ever... I mean, he was drafted, like, in real life in, like, the top 10, right? He was, like... Yeah, he was, like, freak. number four, right? Number four overall. Something pick. like yeah. that. And he's just yeah. never... Like, he scored, like, two touchdowns in two years. <laughs> he's just, like... He's not that good. They just don't use him. He gets hurt. And another one I think... is... Another one is DeAndre Swift, man. I traded for him. and he traded for my, him. And he's, and he's been on my bench all year. He can't stay healthy. And I don't think he's still not healthy. Like he played, I I had to play him last week, and he, uh, because I had Aaron Jones on by, but uh, he like I don't know, he played I don't know forty percent of the snaps, and they just didn't use him. I'm like, dude, what the heck, man? He's just never healthy. I'm just like, there's a handful of guys like that who I'm just I just will never mess with ever again. <laughs> Moving forward, you know. What yeah, I mean? I mean, with Kyle, I think Kyle Pitts is really good. The problem is that Atlanta. Have hasn't had quarterbacks that throw well. You know, I mean, Mariota's okay, but like, you know, that 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 offense is really built on running the ball, and Mariota just doesn't, you know, he doesn't really throw a whole lot. Um, and when he does, he, I guess he just doesn't throw to Pitts. So I, I, I mean, I was, you know, I I thought I read somewhere that Pitts is going to break out season, but you know that I I should have realized that with Mariota back there that it wasn't wasn't going to happen. So I would say avoid Cal Pitts until Atlanta has a quarterback. Yeah. If, if, if you get a good quarterback, then Kyle Pitt, then look out. Kyle Pitt is, is going to be, you know, the same level as Kelsey. But until then, it, it's, you know, a boy. And the things that the tight ends this year have just been pretty garbage in general for fantasy. Like, oh, yeah, outside man. of Kelsey, it, it's, it's been pretty slim pickings. Dude, I have Pat Fryermuth on my team, and he's tight end five. And he's not been good. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's missed a couple games. He averages, like, three, four catches a game. He, he's only scored two touchdowns all year, and he's tight end five. With, like, two two touchdowns, yeah. 600 yards, and he's tight end five. Dude, that's terrible. Crazy, yeah. Right, I, I, I have Greg, Greg Dulcich I picked up on waivers, I think because uh, J.J. dropped it. I think Dulcich is – I think he's not that far behind Friar Mouth on, on, on tight end list. So, like, he's might be tight end six or seven. So one of the top ten. But, like, you know, last, like, last week for me, he only got in, like, seven points. You know, and but like that's at this point, but well, like I'm just happy. The I, I was happy with my tight end production if, if I don't get like like a donut hole, you know, because like that's basically what I was getting with Kyle Pitts, and then I picked up Foster Moreau, who was who's the Raiders tight end with uh, Darren Waller out, and, and Moreau just doesn't get yeah. many catches his many passes his way. So you know that, that whole team, if, if, that whole if, team if, just if, fell if, apart. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, except for Devontae Adams, yeah, <laughs> who is like, who's just like he's my MVP in fantasy. You know, so every week it's like twenty, thirty points. Like, oh my god. Um, but uh, but but yeah, I mean, for me for, for, for tight ends, like if if I can get above five, like you know, I, I consider that a, a, a good week for tight end for fantasy production because yeah, for, like that's how bad playoffs, tight ends have been for me. 
I'm playing against our boy Mac, who has Travis Kelsey. So you know. Yeah, he is is is, is like low key one of the uh, like that's like he, like I know I know he, he I, I know he was joking about how it's in a, about like he's Mister Relevant this year, but uh, in the playoffs, but like his team is actually really good. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it's it's like you know I I, I probably you know like I was. I, I, and whatever reason, like like when we play each other in fantasy, he just always beats me. You know, it, it's like uh, one of those like on his own type situations. So you know, his, his team is the one to not want to face in the playoffs. Yeah. So Mac, if if if, if 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 you're listening, take take this as a compliment. Run with it, buddy. <laughs> it'll be good, man. It'll be it'll yeah. be a fun playoffs. So like, let's also make uh some Super Bowl predictions real quick. Yeah. Just uh, cause I predicted before the season on the podcast, I predicted the Rams to repeat and beat the Bills in the Super yeah. Bowl. Obviously, that's not going to happen. The Rams are the worst team in the league right now. So yeah. definitely Baker messed Mayfield. that one up. They're their new savior, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. Their entire team is hurt. But right now, like I'd have to probably say Philly comes out of the NFC. I have no idea who comes out of the AFC. I mean, it could be Kansas City. could be the Bills. could be, I mean, I don't know. could be the Bengals again. And, like, I, I wanted to pick the Niners to come out of the NFC, but I just don't know. Like, if Jimmy G was there, I, I would pick him because the defense is awesome. Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But I don't know. Do you think your boys can come out of the NFC with uh, the rocket arm of, what's his name, Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy. So we, we Niners fans like to call him Big Cock Brock because he just has <laughs> – uh, because like because he's just he just has like balls of steel back there. He's just so confident, plays under pressure, and he, he's not afraid to throw the deep ball. Um, but at the same time, like he is a rookie, you know, he he was Mister Relevant in the draft. So it, it's just like it's like it's it's sort of sur- like I, I was at Sunday's game, and the the play the stadium was so jazzed over what Purdy was doing that they started actually chanting his name. And like I've never seen Cal Shanahan's. Ex- offense that as explosive as it was that day for the Niners um so it's like you know it's, it's and the thing with Jimmy is that like Jimmy's obviously like you know the, the his win-loss record for us speaks for itself but Jimmy also I think frustrates a lot of Niners fans because like he has limitations and they always seem to show up in the playoffs you know it's like uh, you know Super Bowl against the Chiefs you know he couldn't hit Emmanuel Sanders on that on that deep ball and last year against the Rams you know he just you, you know, he just kind of folded there in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, I mean, Brock Purdy has his limita- limitations too, but it seems like he's more aggressive and, and doesn't get his rattles easily under pressure. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's uh, this season for, has just, for the Niners has been so wild that, like, I just don't know what to, what to expect anymore. I'm just here for the ride. Um, and that Christian, being said, McCaff- you know, Christian McCaffrey's so good in that offense that they could legitimately oh, it, just run it, him into the Super Bowl. He's yeah, like, he, that he saved the season. Me. That wouldn't be like it would not be crazy to me at all if they won a Super Bowl just like handing the yeah. ball off to hey, CMC it, and then just beating the crap out of everybody on defense. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me either. You know, and uh, I mean that actually saved the season for us because the Niners' offense was looking pretty was looking pretty was was looking pretty pretty bad. Until CMC came, he just breathing life to that offense. Um, so I mean, obviously, I hope the Niners make it to the Super Bowl, but like, I, I it's kind of hard to go against Philly at this point. I mean, they just look like their team to beat this year. You know, it's it's like the ultimate Death Star team because there's no real weaknesses. Um, so I mean, it's probably gonna be so. You know, we'll see, but I I'll have to go with Philly for now. 
And then that was AFC. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Could be Chiefs, could be the Bills, could be the Bengals. Um, any one of those three wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go with the Bengals for now, only because it just seems that Joe Burrow seems to have that clutch factor to him. I and mean, so does Mahomes and Allen, but like, but it seems like Burrow owns Mahomes. So, like, if you own Mahomes. Yeah, how weird is then, that, man? How yeah, crazy I, is I that? Know. It's beat and him that, three that times. Beat him three times yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I, so I, I, I'm I'm gonna ride with Burrow for now, but we'll uh, we'll see. I I, I mean, it's just uh, like I said, like this whole year and in, in, in football has just been pretty crazy, and a lot of unpredictable things have happened. So, you know, I I mean, it it, it could be, you know, Niners and Dolphins in the Super Bowl, and everyone be like, okay, like it's, it's just it's just we drew it up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, who knows? We'll 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 we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I think it was surprising at this point. For sure. I'll stick with the Bills just so I don't change my pick. <laughs> I don't change oh, one, half, okay. one half of my pick, I guess. So I'd go like Eagles, Bills yeah. probably. But, man, I just it, it, it pains me that the Eagles and the Cowboys are both good because I just hate those teams. Oh, me too, man. I just really do not Especially like the Cowboys. Because, because, I mean, so I, I know our, our, our friend John is a big Cowboys fan. So sorry, John, but, you know, hate, hate, hate the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I mean, a Niners Cowboys rivalry goes back decades. Oh yeah, you know, and, and it's sort of been lost, in, you know, with like you know the Seahawks rivalry now, the Rams rivalry, but like the Niners Cowboys rivalry is really, oh, you know, yeah. I I mean that's it, that's a classic NFL rivalry, rivalry right there. Um, so but what I'm hoping for as Niners fans is that the Cowboys and Eagles will face each other in the divisional round, um, so they can beat each other up while the Niners play. Like if they play Minnesota, Niners play Minnesota in, in in the divisional round, before they make it that far, um, like I feel pretty good about that matchup, you oh, know. Yeah. So, you know, they're weird, man, we'll because see. they'll they'll have great losses and then they'll just like cough one up. They lost the Lions. I mean, they got blown out and they lost by like thirty to the Cowboys. So it's like I can't even tell if the Vikings are good or not. I mean, I need them to be good because I'm relying on Kirk Cousins for, Kirk my, Cousins, yeah. for my fantasy team now that I lost Kyler, but uh. Man, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I just, I legitimately can't tell if that team's good or bad. I mean, they're like ten and three, so they can't be bad. But like, I don't know. I can't tell if they're a contender yeah. or not. They look great, and then they look like trash. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it really just depends on Kirk Cousins because it seems like in the, it seems like in the playoffs he folds. So you know, I, I mean, it's how it proves otherwise. You kind of can't really count on them in the playoffs anyway. Regular season, you know, for fantasy, I, I mean, I would think Kirk will be good enough for you, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. All right. We'll we find gotta, out. Let's talk some politics. Um, of course. I don't think anybody in the audience would uh, be surprised to find out that neither of us are big fans of the Biden administration. But um, <laughs> even as far as the Biden regime goes, they are really having themselves a week. Um, I, I just want to go through a, a little bit of the, the, I don't even know how to put it, the wickedness and and degeneracy on display from the white house in you know this week so far this week it is only wednesday <laughs> as, as we know first yeah um i know this isn't the biggest deal in the world but i think it's worth mentioning biden is openly mocking not only the right but most decent normal people by inviting a, a drag queen to the to the white house when uh, when he signed the uh the gay marriage bill i have no idea why drag queens have anything to do with gay marriage but you know, whatever. Yeah. And this this individual, this jag drag queen who he invited to the White House, had tweeted all kinds of legitimately pedophilic stuff, stuff that I'm not going to repeat here on the podcast. Yeah. And has been involved in these, you know, drag queen story hour, you know, sexual displays in front of very young children, you know, elementary school age children. 
And the Biden team is bold enough to parade this guy around. Um, I mean, I guess just to drive people like us crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, just the boldness of the, the Biden team, man, it's, it is really disgusting to watch. It is. And it, I think it's also just pandering to the woke, the Democratic Party's woke base, because this seems to be, this is a thing now where, 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 where you see these greasy drag queens parading themselves and doing, you know, sexual, you know, things in, in, in front of young children. And, you know, the, and if you question that, the woke accuses you of being, you know, like anti-LGBT, homophobe, or, or, or whatever. But, like, I, I don't, but like, in what way is is justifiable to do any sort of like, it to do any to do anything remotely sexual in front of children? It's 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 disturbing, and but 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 this is the way that the the woke are going now. And I mean, doesn't um, it isn't it pretty yeah. homophobic to tie these people in with like normal? It is. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I I mean that that's something that I think like James Lindsay brings up whenever like because he's one of the guys that. Help coin the OK Groomer uh, term, and right. and yeah, people call him homophobic. He, he he said what you just said, you know, because because yeah, I, I mean, obviously most people who are in the LGBT community don't hold, you know, d- don't sexualize children like that. I mean, so, I have a whole I have a whole bunch of gay friends, and to the best of my knowledge, none of them have gotten naked in front of young children. Yeah, same. So I don't, I I don't understand. It seems. You know, it's it's almost like the, I mean, they they do this with all the quote unquote marginalized groups, like oh, the, of with course, the, the, yeah. the voter ID laws. How they're like, no, you can't do that. Black people are too stupid to get an ID. You're like, whoa, yeah. whoa. Like, I know. Well, like, what it, what are you doing? Like, you're not making the point you think you're making. My goodness, it's like, yeah, it, it really shows you what they think of the quote unquote marginalized. Not that. Oh, LG, I know. Not that LGBTQ uh, the, the people are marginalized is, 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 in the United it, States, but yeah. Sure, but 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 the problem is is that like with voter ID laws, like like when they start, you know, really about voter suppression or, or or whatever, that unfortunately that narrative seems to work, um, it, because I, I mean, just, I mean, like you know, with with Georgia a bit big example, I mean, Stacey Abrams, I mean, I was she didn't win, you know, but because she became like a folk hero on the left, just because she was like, oh yeah, I I really won twenty eighteen, I never conceded <laughs> until kind of this last election, so. Um, you know, so, so fortunately, like, you know, you and I laugh at, laugh at the left's, um, narratives because they're obviously stupid, but the problems are because they're amplified so much by the media, big tech and Hollywood that a lot of people buy into them. Yeah. And, and that, and that's, and that's the problem. It, it's, 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 it's always been like the 16 more million dollar question for conservatives, which is like, how do we break through you know, the less monopoly on, on the culture? Um, and you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm very off track here, but um, you know, but 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 this will rub against. Yeah. No, absolutely. And also this week, the obviously the the whole drag queen at the White House thing was, is kind of just targeting people like us, targeting the right. Yeah. Just kind of mocking it, throwing it in our faces. But the administration is mocking their own side too. They're mocking their own voters too. A couple of weeks ago. Um, they sent out an email to 9 million people. My, my wife was actually one of them. She received this email as well, um, saying that their student loans were being forgiven. And then they kind of backtracked and said, you know, LOL, JK, uh, you know, <laughs> for, you know, joke's on you. Thanks for the votes, though, idiots. <laughs> you know, yeah. is, essentially, is essentially what they're saying now. And <clears throat> it's just amazing stuff, man. They hate their own voters. 
it's like we, we talk about how, you know, the, the GOP establishment hates the GOP base, which is absolutely true. But it's the same thing on the left. They hate their own their own base, too. And I mean, this time around, they literally admitted at the time, like Biden, you know, literally explicitly <clears throat> said at the time that his executive order was illegal and wasn't going to work and then immediately just kept lying and did it anyway. But I mean, man, they're just insulting the intelligence of their own voters. And I mean, will will Democrat voters mind? Will they notice? I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe they are such collectivists that it just doesn't matter. But, man, I mean, I, if I were a Democrat, I, I sure would be pretty upset right now since I've been promised student loan forgiveness for the last, what, 10 years at, at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's just to show that student loan forgiveness was never a realistic. It's not realistic. I, I mean, right. it just isn't. Like, you just can't forgive debt like that. That's probably why the Biden administration backtracked on it because, like, oh, whoops. I mean, the economy's are, are, already sucks. We can't make it. We don't make it suck any worse, um, you know. And um, so I think— I, so I, I I think the backtracking on it, I don't think it was so much like mocking the intelligence of their voters as it was just you know it, it was just an economic reality that they that they that even the, that even the administration couldn't ignore. Um, I, and I mean the, the thing is is that, is that I'm sure the upper echelons of the Democrat Party probably like hate the woke, but like they but they know but they pander to them. They pander to them because you know they, they, they know that they want they, they want the votes you know they, they know they need their base in order to win and which is more than the GOP establishment does for, for the GOP base uh, I mean I mean I mean I, I, I'm sure a lot of like you know the hard left you know dem voters are pissed at the Biden administration but it won't matter come 24 like like they'll just you know vote for Biden anyway because you know oh the evil Republicans you know oh evil DeSantis evil Trump or whatever. You know, yeah. that's, that's all it takes with, with, with these people. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the most evil thing by far that Joe Biden did this week um, was kill the Yemen war powers vote. And I want to go back a little bit. I'm, I'm going to rant a little bit here because I, I try okay. to talk about Yemen, you know, regularly on this podcast. But most people, even libertarians, like even anti-war people just don't even know what's going on in Yemen because it's just not covered um, by the press at all. Um, but for eight years, <clears throat> starting with Obama, then Trump, and now Biden, um, the U.S. has been funding and arming the Saudis in their war in Yemen. Um, it, it's the bloodiest war on Earth right now. Uh, it's the largest humanitarian crisis on the planet. It's orders of magnitude worse in terms of death um, than the war in Ukraine, as bad as the war in Ukraine is. Um, over 500,000 civilians, once again, 500,000, half a million innocent civilians have died in Yemen. Uh, both by you know bombings and mostly through starvation since the Saudis have been blockading the entire country. And to his credit, <clears throat> Bernie Sanders, along with a bipartisan group of senators that included Mike Lee and Rand Paul um, you know, on the right, and then a-, a bunch of Democrats, mainstream Democrats to their credit, wanted to vote on whether or not the U.S. would keep funding this war. I mean, they, this, is, this is not, this war has nothing to do with us. It is not in our national interest at all. Like even, you know, e- even if you're pro-intervention in the Middle East. Like, th- this one makes no sense, right? Like, there's no strategic value. Um, the the Saudis just want regime change in Yemen. They, they want to regime change the Houthis, and they just haven't been able to do it, and, and we've been funding this their quest for eight years, over eight years now. And, uh, and, and not to mention the fact that, you know, there is no declaration by Congress allowing uh, taxpayer dollars to fund this war. I mean, it's never been voted on at all. So Biden wants to keep funding the Saudis, wants this war to continue, so he whipped the Democrats, told them to vote against holding the vote. And Bernie, who is just a tool of the DNC, like he's proven time and time again, 
um, withdrew the whole thing. So the vote never even happened. So once again, the Constitution doesn't matter. Congress doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, presidents make war whenever and wherever they want. Um, so it's just an absolute disgrace, man. You don't have to be anti-war or be a libertarian or whatever to to want Congress to decide when U.S. taxpayer money is funding war. Um, but once again, I mean, the, the Biden regime tramples all over the Constitution. Bernie Sanders, um, you know, folds like a lawn chair once again. Um, just an absolute disgrace, man, all, all around. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, 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 that, I, so at Saudi Yemen war, I, I don't, I haven't followed it closely. I think I wrote about it once, like many years ago, but um, I think the only reason why the U.S. would be interested is because the Houthi, the Houthi rebels, I mean, they are Iranian-backed proxies, basically. And so there's so much interest in trying to, you know, reduce, like, the Houthis' influence in Yemen. Um, I don't think Biden ha- has any interest in that, though, because, because he's, he's been trying to revive the Iran nuclear deal. Right. Um, which is a disaster. And and I think what I think what he's trying to I think his Iran deal probably would probably be worse than what Obama had. The Obama Iran deal was was pretty was pretty was pretty terrible. Um I think it's I think this has more to do with the fact that Biden is has to rely on the Saudis for oil because he's just basically shut off all like federal reserves. Right. Uh here, here in the United States and with gas prices, you know, being as high as they are. You know, he needs the Saudis for oil, and that, so, so that's probably where, where that's coming from. Um, you know, I'm so that's why that's probably what his motivation is. Um, and yeah, like, like it, it should be common sense for, for Congress to have a vote on it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just the frustrating thing, and is that, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it it doesn't even make sense considering the Biden administration's position on Iran, you know, and that's yeah. why, you know, Scott Horton, who's an anti-war author and, and, and writer, he's with antiwar.com and the Libertarian Institute. He's, you know, he was whipping people, getting people to call their senators, and it, it was having an effect. Sure. And he's like, hey, if you're calling a Democrat senator, say, this doesn't make any sense. Biden wants a deal with Iran, you know, and like, whatever, and <clears throat> the, the Houthis like the Iranians and this and that, and you know, and, and all this, and aren't you mad at the Saudis for killing that journalist a few years ago, and blah 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 blah. And if you're if you're talking to a Republican Senate staffer, say, you know, America first. You know, we can't afford it. We're 32 trillion in debt, and Obama started. You know, it was Obama's fault. He started funding this war with the Saudis, and blah blah. blah. So it's like from both sides. I mean, it's like it, it makes no sense for either party to support this. But it's like you know, like you mentioned when you've completely destroyed American energy independence and you're relying on the Saudis, and when the entire government is beholden to the military-industrial complex, I mean, they just won't stand for ending any war. Obviously, they're making a killing um, sending all these weapons um, to the Saudis. So it's just—it's pathetic, man. It's pathetic. I mean, like, heck of a a week for Joe Biden. Drag queens at the White House— Trampling all over the Constitution. I mean, like, is that his re-election campaign? You know, mutilate the genitals of American children and blow up Yemeni children? I mean, like, heck of a sales pitch, but apparently that's just who these people are, man. And also, the thing of that gap that that gap yesterday where he's like, you know, like, if you're gay, you can get married in the morning, but then get thrown out of a restaurant. I was like, in the afternoon, I was like, what? Like, like... (laughs) Like that, that, that is, is that a thing that happens? Because I, 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 I totally know of no no instances where that is, where that has happened. I mean, dude, I have to just assume that like 
half of restaurant owners are gay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I know a lot of, it just it seems like like it just doesn't seem like nice restaurants are like a super anti-gay environment. That just you know what I mean? I, I, that that one at face value made absolutely no sense to me. Oh, yeah, of course. So before we wrap it up, I do have to mention this. Two polls in the last two days, one yesterday and one this morning. Um, the first from USA Today, Suffolk, and then the other one from the Wall Street Journal. Um, both have Ron DeSantis up big over Donald Trump in a theoretical 2024 primary matchup. Uh, one poll has Ron up by 23 points, and then today's Wall Street Journal poll has Ron up 14 points. And these could obviously be outlier polls. You never know. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to think about polling generally. Obviously, they, you know, for a couple decades, all the polls would just favor Democrats, you know, and then this this last for the midterms, all the polls favored Republicans. Right. Like all the polls suggested that Republicans were doing a lot better than they actually were. And then who knows when you're when you're talking about a a theoretical Republican primary, like I have no idea which way these polls are going to skew. I really don't know. But it does seem like either DeSantis is picking up steam or Trump is losing steam. You know, we can't ignore these polls. And and the part of these this data that matters, the only thing that matters to me are the matchups against Joe Biden. Um, in the USA Today poll, they did, you know, theoretical matchups, Trump versus Biden, DeSantis versus Biden. And they had Biden beating Trump by seven points and losing to DeSantis by four points. So to me, that's the only thing that matters. You know, like I can yeah. I can I can look past all of Trump's flaws just fine if I have to. I I just don't think he can beat the Democrats. I just don't think he has it in him to, to beat Joe Biden. So I don't know. Do you think these are just we should ignore these? Obviously, I, I, I don't like if they held a primary between DeSantis and Trump, DeSantis is not winning by 23 points. <laughs> like that's like yeah. I know that, that that can't be true, even if he is up. It's not by that wide a margin but i don't know what what, what do you i know we're, we're way out we're two years out but what do you think yeah i mean it, it's so early but with, with, with it's so early with these polls that that like you have to take them with a grain of salt um especially when we're t- i think these are like head-to-head matchups when you know there's probably gonna, gonna be like you know a big field of, of republican presidential candidates in 24 and you know like i don't know if it'll be 16 or 17 like last time but it could be and in and and what happened in 2016 was that you know Trump was always getting like 35, 40 percent in in these primary elections, and so so he had he had a ceiling, but yeah. the problem was that is that there's so many other candidates in the field that the anti-Trump vote was was split up, and so Trump would just win with the plurality of the vote, and you know and he ended up winning I, I think against Hillary ended up being a fluke basically being a fluke election. Um, because ever since then, like it's it's been pretty bad for Trump electorally, and um, you know I think what these polls show is that yeah Trump is losing momentum. I think I think after the twenty twenty two election, I think people seeing a lot of winnable races being lost. There's due due to a multitude of factors, uh, one of which is candidate quality. And a lot of these candidates were Trump candidates. I think I think also Trump meeting with Kanye. Uh, and and Nick Fuentes, both of whom are anti-Semites, um, is also playing a role in this too. I, I, look, I I don't think Trump is anti-Semite. I, I think he did a lot of good things for 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 uh, for for the Jews and for Israel uh, during his presidency. But Trump, he was, yeah, he was. He had to have been. I mean, you have to say the most pro-Israel president at least since Truman. I think ever, to be yeah. honest. Uh, and um, but I think the problem with 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 uh, I think. 
why I mean with Kanye was because he considered Kanye a friend and he wanted to help him out. Um and and then and Kanye uh and and then Kanye brings along Nick Fuentes and Trump doesn't know who he is. He's like, oh sure, you know, if he's your friend, let's bring him in. And and, and then it just ended up being a total PR disaster for Trump. Yeah. Um and even to this day, like what's most concerning is that Trump hasn't like he's like, oh, I don't know who Fuentes was or whatever. Okay, but like, why? So where's the condemnation? And, and like, call, and, 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 he calls con- for, and then he calls for overthrowing the Constitution <laughs> and installing yeah. him as president. And it's like he's gonna keep doing this stuff, man. He's gonna like, I don't. Yeah. And Trump's he not shooting an anti- himself in the foot. Trump's not an anti-Semite, obviously. I, I there's no, no no case to be made for that. But it's like, yeah, he's he is dumb enough to meet with anti-Semites. You know, yeah. I think like I think it was Ben Shapiro that tweeted it was something like uh, the easiest way to not have dinner with anti-Semites you don't know is not have dinner with anti-Semites you the do Semites know. you do know, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Dude, like what? What do you like? And also saying like, oh, the Trump team is so incompetent that they just didn't vet people having dinner with the former president. It's like, dude, that's not a great line of defense, man. If oh, you're, it's a if, terrible line of defense. If you're yeah. trying to like, if you want this guy to beat. Joe Biden and the DNC machine in a federal election. I just don't think Trump can do it. And like, if anything, these polls are just suggesting that, yes, we do have another viable option. There is a man who could potentially beat Trump in a primary, and that's Ron DeSantis. And I am concerned that the the non-Trump, like, I don't want to say the anti-Trump vote, because I'm not, I'm not anti-Trump, but like, sure. j- just the other than Trump vote is going to be split like it was last time. I think like, right wingers conservatives were robbed of a like an actual primary that would have mattered like a trump versus ted cruz you know yeah um you know something like somebody who could actually who was actually like winning a few of these caucuses and primaries but you know everybody stuck around jeb bush john Kasich, you know like rubio rubio you know what the, the lady that used to run Hewitt Packard or one of those companies. I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, Carly Fiorina. <laughs> Carly Fiorina. You know, and I, I, I could definitely see something like that happening again, like a Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo and, and all, Larry Hogan, Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah. like all these, it's like, no, 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 no. People like Trump. People like DeSantis. Those two men need to run, duke it out, and figure it out. Like, I just, I, you know, if we have Trump, a nominee who basically can't win because Nikki Haley and all these morons decide to run for their own book deals and whatnot. I mean, I think it was just the, just the country would be, it would be such a disservice to the country for all these people. To yeah. Run. Well, I, I think what's different this time is that, you know, 2016, like if there, there was, until Trump came in, there was not really a clear front runner. I mean, people always talked about Jeb Bush, um, which, which, you know, <laughs> which, which never really happened, but, uh, which it's about Jeff Bush, Chris Christie, and then some conservatives were hoping for Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, but there was no like there there's not one guy that everyone united around. It's just that Trump sort of kind of sucks all the air out of that primary. I think this time it seems like the Sansis has united various factions of the Republican Party that like I haven't seen any can any GOP candidate to ever. You yes. know, it feels like, you know, like even those who are more moderate, like, like excluding, you know, the, the Bill Crystal types. You know, uh, like even more moderate Republicans who don't like Trump, like like DeSantis. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like a lot of conservatives were like DeSantis too. However, conservatives like DeSantis too. So I think DeSantis is a more unifying figure. Uh, I mean, certainly more so than Trump, but but also like in terms of Republican primary, like I think 
if DeSantis runs, which we don't know if he will yet, I think he probably will, but he like, will. who knows? He will. I mean, if um, he doesn't, here, here's the thing, side note, if he doesn't, then, like, I'll just be looking for somebody else moving forward anyway. Like, if it, like, because if, if DeSantis doesn't have the political instincts to run now, to if he isn't smart enough to understand that this is his moment, then, well, okay, then maybe he wasn't all he was cracked up to be to begin with, you know? Because, like, the people yeah. that are like, oh, I, I, I love Trump. I'm loyal to Trump. Which, that's, like, the worst argument ever. I'm loyal to Trump. I know. It's like, Trump doesn't care about you. <laughs> Trump's not loyal. Trump Trump has cheated on every wife he's ever had. He's not even loyal to his wives. <laughs> like, let alone, like, and he's a politician. And, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not this anti-Trump guy or anything, but it's like, dude, he, he doesn't care about you. He's not loyal to anybody. Politicians aren't loyal. Why would you be loyal to somebody who's not loyal right. to you? Right. So what's particularly galling is when they argue that DeSantis, that DeSantis owes Trump because Trump <laughs> endorsed yeah. DeSantis Come in 2018. Uh, I, I mean, even, uh, okay, let's say uh, Amy Biden line of argumentation. Okay, well, DeSantis helped Trump win Florida in 2020. Yeah. There you go. Like, you know, debt pay. Like, uh, like, like an endorsement is not a life debt. Like, no. come on now. My goodness. Yeah, that's a pathetic. It's pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, I do agree with you on the, he's the only guy. DeSantis is the only guy who can build... A, a a coalition that can win big, right? Like, I'm not saying yeah. he's the only guy who can beat the Democrats. Maybe even Trump could win again. I highly doubt it, but it's not impossible. But, it's, you know, I use this as an example all the time, and this is like six, eight months ago now. But I had um, I had Jim Garrity from National Review on, and then two days later I had Clint Russell, who's an anarchist like me, um, an anarcho-capitalist. Yeah. And they were both singing DeSantis's praises, <laughs> right? And I yeah. was like, and this is back in, you know, you know, March, April, something like that. I'm like, yeah, huh? Well, look at that. <laughs> like if you have like if you have Clint Russell and Jim Garrity on the same page, it's like that is like he's a wizard, man. <laughs> like that's not like he's he's Gandalf, man. Like he's he's more talented <laughs> than anybody. I mean, that's like that's more, you know, that he could build a coalition, you know, broader than Reagan's broader than just about anybody's. I mean that is wild. If you have two guys, and, you know, because you know Jim's a center right guy, and Clint is as radical as it gets, and they're both like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I like DeSantis, <laughs> I'd vote for that guy. So it's like, man, I, I just don't know how you can turn somebody like that down. Like it, it does feel to me like we're sitting on an opportunity to really shake things up, big. I mean, we're, you know, it could be a, a 35 state victory, pick up, you know, multiple Senate seats. I mean, it could be a real game changer here if. Mm-hmm. Republican voters are willing to move on from Trump. You can appreciate what he did. You can like him all you want. But it's like, guys, look. And if you're digging down into these polls, too, and I'll tweet out some of the poll results once sure. it shows up, too. But um, it's like, you know, independents and women and like the, the demographic points in these polls are fascinating. You know, it's like I, I believe in the USA Today Suffolk poll, uh, Biden was up like 20 something, 23, 24 points among independents. Uh, or maybe independent women. He was up in the in the mid twenties, and uh, he was only up four points in independent women against uh, DeSantis in a head-to-head matchup. So it's like, I if you look at that, you're like, I, I don't I don't see how Trump wins back suburban women in the next two years. Like I, just, I agree. I think he's burned that bridge, part partly because of his own actions, and then partly because independent women are very susceptible to propaganda, <laughs> you know, like they, they watch the view and CNN and stuff like that. And they believe it. Um, so, you know, even if he lost their support, you know, due to factors beyond his control, 
who cares? Like, I don't care why something happened. It only matters that it happened, right? Like, it's, you know, we live in right. reality. Like, whining about it isn't going to help. So, you know, it's like I just don't see how he makes up ground among, like, independents, women, minorities, you know. like And then you look at DeSantis, and he won Miami-Dade County. You know, he, he won, yeah, like, he won Duval County. Yeah, stronghold. You know, it's like he won— Long-time Democrat strongholds. Yeah. 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 So it's just I, I can't— I can't look past that, man. Like that is because at the end of the day, it's the only thing that matters. Can you right. win well, or not? I, you know? I think what it, what it just comes down to is is the fact that um, is, is is that a lot of these Trump candidates um, that lost the Senate. I mean, outside of Oz, who's just he's a different discussion. But like, yeah, yeah. you know, there are a lot of Trump candidates that that, that kind of you know paired to the stolen election line. And a lot of independents just just like saw like that and were like now. You know, it's like uh, so, like that. That argumentation about stolen election, I mean, that you know, it doesn't work. No. You know, like I, I, people don't buy it. You know, and I, I was not to say that, like, you know, there weren't certain aspects of it that were rigged in terms of, like, you know, Twitter censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story and so forth, and some of these unconstitutional election laws. But I mean, we were talking about, like, you know, Trump was Trump was arguing like wide scale fraud happened, and there's just no evidence out there to support that it did. And so, you know, and you can find that with happened January 6th and so forth. Independence just like it's just it's a turnoff. Like the so election line doesn't work. And I think even Trump, like when he announced his presidency, he sort of like toned it down a little bit. But it's too late. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, I don't think anybody expects him to like you know remain disciplined on, on that message either. Like at some point, 24, he's gonna he's gonna say like, see, you know, this election was stolen from me. It was given to Biden. Now everything sucks. This is why you elect me again. I mean. Once once you go down some election, some election route, it's just it's just a turnoff electorally. It yeah. doesn't work. You know, whereas like DeSantis, it's like DeSantis keeps his focus on the woke. Like when he says, when he said it, it, on election night, you know, Florida is where is where the wokeism goes to die. Boom, winning message right there because most people don't support the woke. No, you know, but 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 like you have to give them a viable alternative. And you know, someone saying that 2020 was stolen, that doesn't work. But if you have someone like DeSantis. Who keeps his focus on the woke and backs up with with his own good policies in Florida? That that's that's that, that's a winner right there. Yeah, and it, I mean just the disparity between the COVID policies of the two guys too. You know, you yeah, get, you get Anthony Fauci with Trump, you know, and you get freedom with with DeSantis, you know, and like, and this is obviously anecdotal. I've been, you know, it, it's just people I've talked to, but like even in like around here, like I like just I'll I'll use my own father. <laughs> As as an example, my okay. dad my dad is literally like, and this is obviously anecdotal, but he's he's literally Trump's base. Like he's a white, sixty one year old, straight Christian, high school educated, small business owner in Ohio, suburban Ohio. <laughs> okay, right. So it's like that is like that is the Trump voter, right? Like he's like yeah, absolutely. he just encapsulates Trump's base. Like that is Trump's base, right? And my dad's just like oh, he's like man when's this dude going to stop complaining? It's like, he's such a whiner. He's like, he sounds like a little bitch. All he does is complain about 2020. And <laughs> yeah. dude, yeah, man, a bunch of like 61 year old white Christian small business owners, in Ohio, you know what they don't like? Whiners. <laughs> like they don't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like these are guys that get up and go to work and do, you know, do their job and take care of their family every day. Like they don't want this like whiny baby who can't get over the past. It's like, that's not a good, that doesn't appeal to, his own right. base. Like I think, I think people in his own base are going to start turning on him because it's like, man, you can only complain for so long, you know, and and have people take you seriously. But I don't know. We'll see. 
It'll be interesting, man. I, I I do wish that Trump waited like six months or so to uh, announce he was running. Like I could have used a break from talking about elections, but he, sure. it was like 48 hours after after the mid. Like well, they're still but, counting I mean, votes, you know, and Trump announced yeah. he's running. It's like, oh. I mean, this strategy actually might backfire on on, on Trump because I mean, remember 26 I mean, in 2015 when he announced, you know, he that's pretty late. Like he announced in June, like that's I mean that's pretty late for for primary. Whereas this time, but maybe I can't say after the day, like two days after the election or whatever. I mean, I, I think what he risks doing is that, um, I mean, I think Trump fatigue is already setting in. And yeah. if he, and, you know, in fact, he's going to be out there, you know, doing this for the next, like, you know, two years or whatever. I, I think it's going to wear on people pretty quickly. Announcing early does not help candidates, at least in recent no, it memory, doesn't. too. You know, like in 16, uh, Ted Cruz announced way early. It was like, I mean, not not this early, but it was like what February or something. Like March. It, 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 was, March. it, was, it was on my birthday, actually, March twenty third. Yeah. Oh, okay, but but still, like historically, that's pretty early. And he, you know, he had his surge. He was doing well, and then kind of tapered off. And then on the Democratic side, um, Elizabeth Warren announced in like December. Oh right, yeah, I forgot you, about you know, that. And yeah, she, and she was like a front runner. People were like, oh, it's her time. You know, she's like the next Hillary Clinton. And then. I mean, obviously, if you if you just put that woman on TV, <laughs> like yeah, if she yeah. wanted to win, she should have announced in August. You know what I mean? Just and yeah, just she didn't have to do. You know, being on TV and and having people learn who she is uh, turned out not to be a great a great strategy for Elizabeth Warren. But uh, but yeah, it's just like I don't think there's any proof that announcing super early helps you. If anything, no, you know, it hurts. But Aaron, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. Where can everybody follow you online, read your stuff, keep in touch, all that good stuff? Yeah, read my so follow me uh, at Bandler's Banter, and uh, you can read all my stuff at uh, the Jewish Journal, JewishJournal.com. Um, we are the number one Jewish publication in in the country, and we have uh, we have credibility in both the right. We, we appeal to both the right and the left. So you know we're on the few new sources of news where you can get both sides. So you know, I mean, those give me a read. Like, give the Jewish Journal a read. You know, even if you're not Jewish, there's a lot of thought-provoking and interesting stuff in our paper on the website that I think uh, that I think your listeners will find interesting. Absolutely, and Aaron's one of the best writers out there. Definitely check it out. And everybody follow him online. Oh, He's great. Absolutely, man. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. <laughs>